saved. Well, he acts like it, amen. I knew him before he got saved. And the Bible said, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. He's a new creature, amen. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. And uh, good to see you tonight. Good to see Dr. James Jones. First camp meeting I ever went to in my life. Tampa camp meeting. And uh, I'd only been, I hadn't surrendered to preach for just a few months. And I preached down there. And I used an illustration. I wish I could remember what it was. But Brother Jones came up to me after I got through preaching. He said, explain that illustration to me. And I couldn't because I wasn't even sure what it meant. <laughs> That's just the way it was. Amen. But God moved, didn't he, Brother Jones? And I've prayed for Brother Jones ever since I met him there at that camp meeting. Boy, I appreciate Brother John and Matthew and appreciate this meeting. You know, I was scheduled to preach here one time before. And I was sitting right over there. And uh, our ladies were having a ladies meeting at the church fellowship hall. And someone come in the back and said, Preacher Adcock, somebody wants you. I got up, walked to the back. They said, Preacher, you got to come to the fellowship hall. Immediately, your wife's all to pieces. She's on the phone with your son-in-law. Something's happened to your daughter. And our daughter had uh, gone unconscious. Long story short, they airlifted her to Winston-Salem Hospital that night. And weeks later, uh, after multitudes of tests, we flew down there as fast as we could go, walked in, into an emergency room, an intensive care unit, then into another unit with closed doors, and there our daughter is laying there with bags wrapped around her. They're pumping oxygen through her skin into her body. And uh, uh, had no idea what was going on after days of tests and prayer. And uh, God brought her out. I, I watched seven doctors walk around. I believe it was seven walked around her bed and said, uh, well, you can go home and we don't know what happened to you. But uh, they, they did kind of find out later that she'd had some problems and some reactions to different some medications and different things. But anyway, that happened more than once. But I didn't get to preach that night, amen, and because I had to be with my family. But uh, when Brother John asked me to preach, I, first thing went through my mind. <laughs> first thing went through my mind, Lord, keep my family healthy, Amen. <laughs> I'm not superstitious, amen, but uh, I appreciate the Lord allowing us to be here. Take your Bibles and turn to the uh, book of Psalms, chapter 138. Psalm chapter 138 tonight. Paul told Timothy, he said, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ who shall judge the quick and the dead as appearing in kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with all long suffering and doctrine for the time has come. Not will come, it has come. When men will heap to themselves teachers, having itching ears shall be turned away from the truth and shall be turned into fables. You don't hear much preaching anymore. Hear a lot of teaching, but not much preaching. We're in the last days, hope y'all know that. And I tell you, our nation's in trouble. Will you agree with me tonight? Our nation's in trouble. Will you agree with me tonight that our churches are in trouble? Will you agree with me tonight that our families are in trouble? Marriages are in trouble. 
children in trouble. There's probably some right here tonight. You're in trouble. You can come into a meeting. You can shout. You can praise God. You can sing. You can enjoy everything that's going on here and still be in trouble. Amen. Look in Psalm 138, verse number 1. The Bible says, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. That is the rulers, the angels, the rulers will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy loving kindness and for thy truth. For thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. That's the only thing. Amen. That God has ever magnified above his own name is his word. You got a copy of the word of God, King James Bible, hold it up. Did you know that thing right there in your hand, the Bible, the word of God? God has exalted that above his own name. Amen. The word of God. Notice if you will, David said, here's why David said, I will praise thee with my whole heart. Before the gods will I sing praise unto thee. I will worship toward thy holy temple. Praise thy name for thy loving kindness. He said, in the day when I cried, thou answeredest me and strengthenedest me with strength in my soul. All the kings of the earth shall praise thee, O Lord, when they hear the words of thy mouth. Yea, they shall sing in the ways of the Lord, for great is the glory of the Lord. Though the Lord be high, yet he hath respect unto the lowly. Notice that. But the proud he knoweth afar off. Though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Thou shalt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. The Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Thy mercy, O Lord, endure forever. Forsake not the works of thine own hands. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for the blessing to be here tonight. And Lord, I thank you for allowing me, Lord, to be in your presence in this place tonight. God, thank you for the songs of Zion that have been sung. And Lord, how the Holy Ghost has used them, Lord, to minister to my heart. Lord, I'm glad tonight I'm not going to hell. Lord, 43 years ago I was. I was running as hard as I could and as fast as I could. Lord, towards the charred walls of, of the regions of the dam. But God, I thank you, Lord, for saving my soul. And Lord, I'm not even going in that direction anymore. Father, I pray that the Holy Ghost help us now in the preaching of the word. God, give liberty. Guide my mind, my heart. God, give us what we need in this service. God, we're in trouble tonight. But God, I'm glad you promised us. Lord, though we walk in the midst of, of trouble, thou wilt revive us. And I pray you do for that. Do for us tonight what needs to be done. Get glory to yourself. Help us to lift up Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen and amen. I want to preach tonight on this thought, on comfort in the midst of chaos. Comfort in the midst of chaos. My thought tonight, I've already made mention of it, is the trouble that we're in. I want you to think just for a moment 
about the trouble that's everywhere all about us. I mean, it doesn't matter where you look, uh, there's trouble. You turn on the news, uh, watch the news. I don't recommend you do that every day, and I don't recommend it that you do it very long every day because I tell you, uh, it'll defeat you. Uh, it'll almost make an infidel out of you. And I'm going to tell you tonight, uh, this thing's running right on course. Hey, God's not up uh, on the throne wringing his hand, worried about the next election. Uh, I'm going to tell you, God sets up kings. God pulls them down. Hey, but God's in control. Hey, I want to tell you something. You say, preacher, why are we in the shape, uh, the condition we're in? Uh, we deserve it. Amen. We're living in a nation uh, that's forgotten God. I'm talking about a nation. Thank God for a nucleus uh, of believers and people like you and us uh, that love the Lord and know God and enjoy God. But there's a world out there knows nothing about what you and I do. They know nothing about God. Let me say, the White House is in trouble. Our leaders are in trouble. It been the uh, church houses in trouble. It been uh, uh, our houses, our homes, uh, our families are in trouble. Uh, it been a uh, separation, divorce. Uh, it been on a day is an all time high as, uh, in our church families. Not everywhere, just outside the church, but in the church. I'm gonna tell you tonight: the devil is after your home and after your family. That's right. Now I'm gonna tell you tonight. Eben, we live in a day where there's trouble everywhere. I mean, there's the threat, Eben, of nuclear war all about us all the time. And I know every one of us are hoping and praying that, you know, most people are, Eben, that's got any sense, uh, hoping God's going to give us, uh, Eben, another conservative leader. I said another conservative leader. I didn't say which one. But I want to tell you this, uh, we need uh, some conservative leadership uh, in our nation. Amen? Let me say tonight that the psalmist David uh, found himself uh, walking in the midst uh, of trouble. Now I want to tell you, you and I are walking in the midst of trouble today. Everywhere you look, there's trouble. Families in trouble. Ministries in trouble. Churches in trouble. Look over the last uh, few years uh, since COVID hit. Uh, look at all the troubles, uh, the new troubles, uh, different kinds of troubles that that's generated uh, that you and I as believers uh, have had to deal with. That's right. And uh, the new news is uh, that everybody uh, backs to the max. Before it's over with, watch my word, they're making plans right now to vax everyone in America. Vaccines. Vax to the max. That's the president's own words. Vax to the max. Well, I'm, I'm sorry to disappoint him. I'm not going to be vaccinated for COVID. If you have, I'll pray for you. Amen. I'll pray for you. But I'm going to say this tonight. Uh, we're living in a day where Eben, it seems like uh, that the spiritual oppression, uh, Eben, I'm going to tell you this, I believe that all of the immoral, ungodly, lawless, uh, Eben, ungodly uh, demons of hell have been turned loose uh, on this nation uh, in the last few years. But just remember, this is not our home. 
We're just passing through by the piercing. I'm glad, hallelujah, I'm looking away from here. But while we're here, we've got to deal with all this trouble that we're in. Look what the Thomas David said. Notice he said, though I walk in the midst of of trouble. Look at the place uh, that David was in. Look at David. Now, David wasn't a perfect man, of course. If you look back in Psalm 116, David uh, demonstrates that there's a lot of things uh, going on in his life he's supposed to be doing, but he wasn't doing them. David, just like me and you, from time to time, uh, you and I don't always do uh, what we're supposed to do. What we know to do and what we should do. But on the other hand, we have a real problem doing things we know we shouldn't do. You know, the Bible talks about willful sin. You know, I just believe it like this. Every sin in a believer's life is a willful sin. Willful sin. The Bible talks about, particularly in the book of Hebrews, that if we sin willfully, after having come to the knowledge of the truth, and we have, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin, but a fearful looking for a judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversary. Let me say, that's not only applied to church membership and going to church, but every phase and every facet of the Christian life, God has equipped us with everything we need to keep us from sin. Paul said, sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but you're under grace. But I'm going to tell you, you and I, the biggest problem I have is me. Let me hear you say tonight, the psalmist David, he's in a bad place in his life. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, the word trouble simply means distress or affliction, adversity, anguish, tribulation. Adversaries, walking in the midst of adversaries, foes or enemies, have been facing sorrow, hostility, enmity. It means to vex or to harass or to be tied up or have been to be banned, if you will, or to be pressured. I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like I'm under pressure. But but, uh, Morgan mentioned he didn't like to be under pressure. He doesn't feel like he's pressured. I do. I feel pressured sometimes. Brother Doug, I had a great preacher, my uncle, still living, pastored the same church 40 years. And uh, he said, Brother Stanley, he said, before this thing's over, he said, you'll find out that getting three good messages from God a week is going to be a full-time job. Can you pastors agree with that? Amen. Now, you can go on the internet and get you one. Some of them do. It's been because I've listened to them. That's all right, amen. If you can get God on it, get God on it. It's been and use it, hallelujah. But I want to tell you something. It's so much better. It's been when God gives you something for your soul. Let me hurry to say it. been you and I are facing all types of trouble in our day. It's been a lot of people having family trouble. I can't tell you how many, how many preachers I know, how many deacons I know, how many good church people I know whose families are a wreck. 
I'm talking about their marriages are wrecked. Their children are open drugs. Their children have been living out here like a bunch of unsaved heathens that won't darken the door of a church. I'm talking about we're living in days where there's a family troubles. You know, there's people come to meetings like this. You pray, Brother Matthew, you know this to be true. There's people come to meetings like this, and the reason they come is sort of the last straw. God, if you don't help me, if you don't help my family, if you don't help my children, Lord, if you don't save my daughter, if you don't save my son, you don't help my wife, you don't help my husband, I don't know what we're going to do. I'm talking about in trouble. You'll never convince me that every one of these young people up here are saved. Never. Never convince me of that. Professions of faith, yes. But saved, born again, no, you'll never convince me of that. I've seen too many church members saved. I've seen too many preachers saved. I've seen too many deacons get saved. I had an evangelist. I was preaching a meeting. Went three weeks down picking South Carolina. Had a man come in one night, walked up to me and shook my hand. The rest of us went to the prayer room. He went out in the church. He didn't even pray with us. He'd been in evangelism for years. He had a gospel tent and took it places and set it up. I preached that night. It's been on the danger and the destruction of deception. That's what I was going to preach that last time, but you had me scheduled, brother. I still remember that. I preached that night on the danger and destruction of deception. Now I got through preaching. There's two people, two ladies, Sunday school teachers, had got up and sung a special song. They were, they come down the aisle. Well, from the pulpit, they come down this side. The preacher's wife's dealing with one. Eben, uh, his wife is dealing with one. He's dealing with the other. God's moving. Here come another man down the side aisle. They're in the altar getting saved. Here's this preacher standing on the front row with a songbook. And I told the pianist, I said, play another verse. Congregation singing. I'm talking to him, giving the invitation and leading the singing too. And I looked over there at him. He dropped that songbook, clapped it together, slung it down in the pew. He said, i got to get saved and fell in that altar. And that preacher got born again that night. He's in the altar getting saved. Pastor got up, walked over. He said, what's going on? I said, he's getting saved. You might all pray with him. You'll never convince me. Listen to me. You'll never convince me that everybody sitting in church is saved, not even in my congregation. Amen. Well, let me say tonight, I was preaching a revival at Berea Baptist Church years ago. Five nights, had ten people saved. Meeting probably should have went on. Another week at least, young pastor. Anyway, I believe he should have. Had an 82-year-old man. You know him. 82-year-old man, but Jones came down, took up the offering for me on Monday night, him and another brother. He'd been in that church, uh, I think I said 15 years. He come down the second night, took up the offering. Another man prayed over it. Come down Wednesday night, took up the offering. I was preaching another message that night on being uh, lost church members. And he'd been praying in the prayer room, pray for my granddaughter, pray for my granddaughter. We're trying to get her to come this meeting. She's lost. Uh, and then she's whirling out there in sin. We're trying to, I looked back there and there she was, sitting between grandma and grandpa. Now I thought, well, maybe she'll get saved tonight. I preached to give the invitation. Now look, here come that 82-year-old man. 
overalls on. Here he come walking in the aisle. It been found that altar, and I thought to myself, it been that granddaughter will surely come. Just in a minute, he stood up. He said, I just got saved. That 82-year-old man had been getting to just come to pray for the granddaughter. He come to get saved. Maybe there's somebody here. That's what you need to do tonight. Get saved. Born again. Let me say the psalmist David. He was in trouble. Let me ask you tonight. Are you walking in the midst of, of trouble? Are you having family trouble? You have any financial trouble? A lot of people have financial trouble. We bring that on ourselves a lot of times. Because you don't tithe your income. These, these people come to a meeting like this. They'll pig out every meal, every day. They'll enjoy the singing, and they'll enjoy the preaching, and they wouldn't give a dime. They're going to watch a cow eat a bella, or a, an angry bella. Hey, wouldn't give a dime. Won't tithe your income. Count meeting hobos. I used to go to a lot of camp meetings. I used to. <laughs> Not see the same ones at every camp meeting. It didn't matter if it's in Tennessee, Georgia, South Carolina. There's in every camp meeting. Thank God you're here. But why are you here? I'd hate to go to a camp meeting and be faithful every night to a camp meeting and wouldn't be faithful to my Sunday school in my home church. Or the, or the worship service. You know what you're, why you're in financial trouble? Because you won't tithe. You're commanded to tithe, but you're also commanded to support missions. That's a command. Paul the apostle instructs It's a command we support missions. It's not an option. It's an obligation. A lot of pastors snarl on that. They get all fuzzed up over that. But it's still true. Let me hear you say that. A lot of people have financial trouble. They don't tithe. They don't support missions. A lot of people have physical problems because they don't take care of God's finances. <laughs> That's right. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over, shall men give unto your bosom. God's got a big program. God's got a lot of people. He's got a big promise there. There's provision. Let me say, but the prerequisite is that if you don't give, don't expect God to give. Give, and it shall be given unto you. Good measure, press them, shaking together, running over. I'm not getting many amens on that. I wonder the judgment seat. It been, by the way, I've been thinking about the judgment seat. I don't know everything I'd like to know about it, but I know enough to make me ashamed and afraid to be there. Amen. Let me hear you say to you tonight, let me say a lot of people having trouble with their flesh. Got any trouble with your flesh? Your old Adamic nature? We're living in a day, listen to me. I don't have it with me. I think I laid it down back there somewhere. No, I left it in the car, I guess. That's a good place for it. 
But that thing you've got on your belt or on your side or in your pocketbook called a cell phone, I'm going to tell you something. That's one of the most dangerous and the one of the most uh, damaging things uh, that the world and the devil has ever devised. Uh, I'm going to tell you tonight, pornography, I'm going to tell you, and the access uh, to everything immoral, ungodly, and perverted uh, in the hands uh, of young men and young women and married men and married women. Uh, listen to this preacher. It's destroying uh, our lives. Uh, it's destroying churches. It's grieving the Holy Ghost. That's right. That's right. I told our folks one time, I, I've done it more than one time. What if I uh, asked you to give me your keys to your car? I go out in a church parking lot and leave you in here. Let me go out there and turn your radio on. See what you've been listening to. Hit that CD player. See what kind of music you've been listening to. Yeah. Oh, yes. What if you, hey, are you afraid to leave your phone laying around? Had a young lady in the church left her phone laying on the pew one day, and I saw it, and I picked it up, and I said, I wonder who this is. About that time she come walking up, I said, I've done got you. I've done looked at your phone. She said, there's nothing on it, preacher. I don't care. Look through it all you want to. I thought, hallelujah. What about that? Ain't that a blessing? Been, she was confident enough. It been in her life. Hey, listen, I know what I'm talking about. And you know what I'm talking about. Don't forget you are. The real you is what you are when you're all by yourself. Amen. That's right. Let me hurry to say, you have to be in trouble. We're in trouble with the flesh. A lot of people in trouble with the flesh. Yes, we've got, a, uh, we've got an old nature, and we've got to deal with it. We have to reckon ourselves. Paul said to be dead, indeed under sin, but alive under God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Paul said, uh, or the Titus said, for we ourselves were sometimes foolish, disobedient, deceived, serving divers' lusts and pleasure, living in malice and envy, hateful and hating one another. I don't know who told God all about me, but he did. That describes me my whole life. But I'm glad he didn't stop there. But after all of that, but after that, all of that, the kindness and love of God, our Savior toward man appeared, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost, which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Lord. For by grace are you saved through faith. I've not always been saved, but thank God I'll always be saved now. I was preaching Sunday night. I preached on Isaiah 45, 22. God burdened my heart about that. <laughs> Amen. And I'm going to tell you, Amen, uh, Isaiah 45, 22, uh, God gives us uh, the plan of salvation. It refutes every false teaching and false doctrine that there is in the Bible or there is in the world. No false doctrine in the Bible, but those who have took the Scripture and rest them, twisted them, and created false teachings out of them. 
Oh, let me hurry to say to you tonight, if there's a, if you have any trouble with the flesh, have any trouble with sinful habits, sinful lust, sinful habits, have any trouble with habits. Amazing to me. Oh, Brother John had a case of beer and a fifth of liquor on the seat. Didn't you? The night you got saved, out in the truck. Headed to a party. But when he got saved, he found out what it was to have a real party. Changed his life. But rest assured, he's no different than the rest of us. He's got problems with the sinful flesh. And he had struggles with the sinful habits. Let me tell you. Let me say this. Hey, in a congregation this size, there's people here that's got problems with sinful habits. That's trouble in your life. It troubles you day after day. The Holy Ghost convicts you. Thank God for the conviction. Heaven, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he's come to reprove the world of sin. That tells you what's wrong. Of righteousness tells you what's right. And judgment to come, there's a reckoning day. Let me say tonight, got any trouble with sinful habits? Are you in trouble tonight? Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Having trouble with wicked imaginations. Having trouble with depression, anxiety. Having trouble with the devil. Never been a time when so many of God's people are on anxiety medicines. Antidepressants. Take medicine every day. Some people do. I know. I understand that. It's a real thing. I didn't know what depression was. Talk to me about it. I didn't know what it was. But one day I woke up, and I don't know what happened, but I'm going to tell you I didn't feel like going on. I thought I'd just quit. And I'm going to tell you I was looking away from God. And I'm going to tell you I got depressed. I got down. That's one good thing about pastoring the church. You, can't, you ain't got time to stay down very long. Quit a thousand times uh, on Sunday night. Uh, hey, it been be depressed on Monday, but ready to go back to the pulpit by Wednesday. Pray for your pastor. Pray for your pastor. Did you hear what I said? Pray for your pastor. Let me hear you say tonight, are you having any trouble with the flesh? What about your faith tonight? Trouble attends the best of men, better who they are. Both outward trouble and inward troubles. Trouble from sin and trouble from Satan and trouble from this sinful world and trouble from sinful men. I called a, I called a preacher one morning on Monday. I said, Brother Howard, how'd it go yesterday? Well, it went all right. I said, how you doing today? He said, I wouldn't have a trouble in the world if I didn't have to deal with people. I said, you wouldn't have a ministry if you didn't have to deal with people. Amen. Let me say tonight, what about you? Are you having any trouble with your faith? Some people question constantly. They're questioning their faith and they're, they're questioning and doubting their salvation. But let me say this. You'll never do anything for God until you get that question settled in your heart. 
John said, I've written these things unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life, that you may believe on the name of the only begotten Son of God. Let me say tonight, if you've got a question and you're not sure you're saved, you're probably not. Let me just say it like this. If you doubt it, I doubt it. Did you hear what it said? If you doubt it, I doubt it. Because everybody that I know that's saved and they know they're saved, don't doubt it. They may doubt some things, but I'm going to tell you, they know they're saved. Let me hurry and say to you tonight, boy, that went over real good, didn't it? I didn't even get an amen out of a preacher on that one. Let me ask you tonight, have you in trouble with your faith? Do you doubt your salvation? Do you doubt your salvation? I remember Dr. Ben Carper said this. He said, it's hard to doubt something you don't have. Now I'm going down the road thinking about now, what did he just say? What did he just say? He said, in essence, if you don't have nothing, you can't doubt it anyway. But if you got something, you can doubt it. Makes sense. Think about it. But let me hear you say to you tonight, the Bible is very clear that if and you and I can know that we're saved, do you have any trouble with your faithfulness? Though I walk in the midst of trouble. Why is David praising the Lord and been with his whole heart and singing praise unto God? Because there's a day that David has walked in the midst of trouble. He called unto the Lord in the day. He said that I cried unto the Lord, thou answerest me and strengthened me with strength in my soul. Let me say tonight, if whatever kind of trouble you're going through or you're in the midst of, God can revive you. God can revive our churches. God can revive your heart. God can revive your home. God can revive you in spirit. God can revive you. You know why? Because he's the only one that can. Revival, Charles Spurgeon said, is when we start doing what we will wish we had done when we stand at the judgment seat of Christ. Revival. We can have revival, personal revival. David, the place David was in, the problems David was facing. Notice some of the problems he said he had. David had a lot of problems going on in his life. And all oh, the man that's born of woman is a few days, that is a few good days and full of trouble. David said, God can revive me even in the path that I'm walking in. I'm about through. The path I walk. Let me ask you where you're walking. Bible says, Psalm 1, blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinners, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. 
But his delight is in the law of the Lord. And in his law doth he meditate day and day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that bringeth forth his fruit in his season. His leaf also shall not wither, but whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. The ungodly are not so, but like the chaff which the wind driveth away. Therefore the ungodly shall not stand in the judgment of sinners in the congregation of the righteous. Even though a synonym, even I found years ago for that word blessed, even blessed. Blessable, blessable is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly. Blessable is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth in the way of sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the... We cut ourselves off from the blessings of God because of the way we walk, the people we associate with, things we do. Blessable. I'm afraid sometimes, you know, he tells us he wants to treat us as a father. He said, I will be a father unto you. Come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord. Touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you. He's already our father if you're saved. But I'll treat you like a father does a son. And I'll be a father unto you, and ye shall be my son and daughter, saith the Lord. He wants to treat us like sons and daughters. Hallelujah. Let me say this, I hurry. They've been the path David was in. They've been the place he was in. The problems uh, that he faced. Uh, They've been the partner that he had. He said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, thou wilt revive me. Let me say, you're not walking alone. Doesn't matter where you are, you're never alone as a child of God. God did say, I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. So that we may boldly say, I will not fear what men shall do unto me. Thee forsake, nor thee leave, never will I. It doesn't matter if you're backing up or if you're going forward with God. He's not going to leave you. He's not going to leave you. Let me hear you say tonight. It been David. It been he had a partner. It been thou. Aren't you glad the Lord's with you tonight? Thou will revive me. The prospect I see, revival. What does it mean to be revived? To be quickened. It means to sustain life or restore life. To raise up. To deliver from sickness. From discouragement. From faintedness. It means to refresh. To restore. To health. To restore to life. To recover one's losses. You know, sometimes I wonder if we don't pray for revival, we don't even know what we're praying for. We pray for revival and don't even know what we're praying for. How do you know that, preacher? Because I've done it myself. Oh, God, revive you. You know, the, the Bible tells us that. Amen. The prophet of God on Siganoff, he said, revive thy work in the midst of the years. That prayer, revive thy work in the midst of the years. In the midst of the years, make known in wrath, remember mercy. Let me hear it say, revive thy work in the midst of the year and make known. Make known what? His glory, his power, his grace. Let me hear you just say tonight, the prospect I see, the promise I believe, thou wilt revive me. I was talking to a preacher this morning. He's 90 years old, still pastoring, preaching three times a week. We meet, we've been meeting 30 35 and a half years now, every morning, 
Monday through Friday, 7 o'clock in the morning praying. Let me just tell you this. If there's ever been a time when we need to pray, it's now. Let me give you a little secret. Let me give you this. Did you know God doesn't, God doesn't promise that all of our preaching will be successful? But everywhere he asks us to pray, Brother Whittemore, he's promised success. Give you a few examples. But thou, when thou prayest, not if you pray, but thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet, and after thou shut the door, pray to the Father in secret, and the Father which seeth in secret shall reward thee openly. There's success for secret supplication. What about social supplication? If any two agree on earth as touching anything that they shall ask in prayer believing, it shall be done for them of the Father which is in heaven. Get somebody to help you pray. God promised it. There's a promise for simple supplication. Ask and it shall be given unto you. Seek and it ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth. Him that seeketh findeth. Him that knocketh it shall be opened. Amen. 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 Everywhere where God promises, he commands us even to pray. He promises us success at it. If you don't hear nothing else I say tonight, I'm going to tell you the greatest ministry on the face of this earth other than propagating the gospel's prayer. Thank God for missionaries. Thank God for gospel literature. But I'm going to tell you something. There's no limit to what God can do. A believer in prayer, Spurgeon said, has the ability to move the arm that moves the world. Think about that a minute. You can get on, hallelujah, you can get on your knees and we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities but was an all point tempted like as we are yet without sin. When you pray, I'm going to tell you, the Lord Jesus Christ lends an ear. He told those disciples, he said, and whatsoever you shall ask in my name, didn't he say, I do it? There's another promise of success. Let me tell you young people something to help your Christian life more than anything. Learn how to pray. Spurgeon said the habit of prayer is good, but the spirit of prayer is better. And I just sort of add a little bit to that. If you don't have a habit, you're probably not going to have a spirit. That's right. If you don't have a habit... You're probably not going to have a spirit either when you pray. Let me say, that dear man of God, uh, he's uh, 90 years old, still in good shape. I told you a while ago, Brother John, he'll get down on his knees uh, beside that pew. Listen, we'll pray for an hour or more every morning. He'll probably call over 100 names from memory every morning. <laughs> That's right. Every morning. Prayer. You know why? Because God, and I, I wish I'd kept a ledger on how many prayers over the last 35, 36 years God's answered. I'm talking about particular things we prayed about and God answered. Amen. Amen. 
Let me hear you say tonight. Happened to, we have the prospect of revival. The promise, I believe, though I walk in the midst of trouble. Hey, doesn't matter what the White House does. Doesn't matter what the Biden administration does or doesn't do. We can have revival in the midst of it all. The protection I need. Thou wilt stretch forth thine hand against the wrath of mine enemies, and thy right hand shall save me. And then the preservation I trust. Lord, the Lord will perfect that which concerneth me. Let me ask you tonight, as we're living in these days of trouble, do you really believe God can revive you? Preacher, you believe God can revive your church? Some of you preachers come here. You pastors come here. Listen to me. Some of you pastors come into this meeting, and you've got plans of resigning your pulpit and leaving your church if God doesn't do something for you in this meeting. Yes, sir. Rest assured, I know what I'm talking about tonight. You're just about to the end of your rope. You're, you're, you're thinking about retirement. You're thinking about a way to get out of that church. You're not praying about staying. You're praying about leaving. And let me just say this. There is a time, Preacher Kanoi told me, he said, son, he said, you need to pray as much about leaving as you do going to pastor a church. Because it's such a serious thing. So many churches have fallen apart when that pastor walked away from that congregation. Their families, I know pastors' families that no longer attend church at all, and they grew up in that church and in that ministry under their pastor and their dad, and no longer, they don't even go to church anymore. Brother, Brother Jones shaking his head, you know I'm telling the truth tonight, you know people just like that. You know why? Because we're walking in the midst of trouble. But I'm telling you something, God can revive your church, God can revive your heart, God can revive your ministry. You say, I've preached everything I know and a whole lot I don't know. We'll just go back about 30 years and pick it up and start over again. They don't remember from Sunday to Sunday, much less 25 years ago. That's right, it'd be all right. I've got notebooks out, stacks of note ring binders like this. Sermon outline, wrote out sermons and messages, written out. I preached in the past 35 years right over here. But let me say this. Every once in a while, God will just lead you back to a scripture. I said, I asked Junior Gravely one time, I said, Brother, how is it you stayed so long at one church? He said, oh, he said, it's not, it's not the same church, preacher. I said, well, You've been at Galilee Baptist Church all these years. He said, yeah, but I've swapped congregation four or five times in these years. <laughs> Somebody asked me, how do you stay at a church 30 years? I said, I don't know. Don't have a clue. I just keep going. They just keep coming. Yeah. But God can revive. Stand all over the building, Brother John.